Hello and welcome to Grace Life Stellenbosch. We are a gospel-centered church family focused on reaching the unreached and making disciples. We pray this teaching will help you to grow in your relationship with Jesus and discover more of the reality of Christianity. We are going to be uh, uh, getting into the word concerning uh, the Father, um, ironically, because um, <laughs> it's Father's Day. I was looking at a couple of things and I really just felt like uh, drawn to this. Because yeah, as we, we kind of look at God, I was just meditating on it during worship, God uh, reveals Himself as Father, right? He reveals Himself to us as Father. Uh, but there are certain things we need to know about that because um, it's easy for us to think about maybe a maybe not so good earthly dad or even your be the best father in the room isn't as good as God. So we kind of kind of get mixed up with that. But then also, you know, it doesn't mean father as in what we experience on earth. There, there's something more to it. So, so I want to dig into this. Most of the, the, the scriptures I think we'll, we'll cover will be on the, the screen. But if we think about Christianity, Christianity is a new life, right? Are you awake this morning? Amen. Give me an amen. <laughs> so Christianity is a new life. It's the Spirit of God living in us. The Spirit of God in us is transforming us. And uh, 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 if we let Him, He'll change us completely. You know, if you let the Spirit of God in you, change you, He'll change your motives, He'll change your reason for getting up in the morning, He'll change uh, so much, and it'll, it'll get better, right? He changes your reason for living. Anyone experience that? Great. You know, the gospel is not just a survival kit. And a lot of people see it as an additional, like this is a survival kit. Now praise God, if we need to survive in times, we can. And there, is, there are answers for us in, in Jesus with regards to getting through tough times, but there's more to it. You know, we're not called to survive, but to thrive. Amen. Amen? So as believers, we need to realize we're not just trying to get through. Yeah, we're, 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 we're here for a purpose. Um, and uh, part of that purpose is we're supposed to be different in this world. We're supposed to be different in this world. And, you know, we'll get into this, but there's this principle in, in, in the Word of what you behold, you become. What you behold, you become. So, you know, what I, what I see is that a lot of people aren't beholding the Father. Because very, well, a lot of Christians, not, I won't say very few, but... Um, there's, there are a few Christians that aren't beholding the Father because they haven't become like the Father. Because if we were to behold the Father, we would become like Him. And this is what, what Jesus was talking about with the Jews in uh, John chapter 8. Um, he spoke to the Jews, it says in verse uh, 31, that believed on Him. And He said, if... Uh, uh, um, what did He say? Let's look it up quick. <laughs> I had it here. Um, he said to them in John uh, 8.31, He said, If you continue in my word, you are my disciples indeed. And then further down, He starts to get into a conversation with them. <coughs> and um, He says to them in verse 36, If the Son therefore shall make you free, you will be free indeed. And then He says, I know you are Abraham's seed, his descendants, but you seek to kill me. And then uh, uh, they answer in 39 and say, um, Abraham is our father. Jesus says to them, if you were Abraham's children, you would do the works of Abraham. So, even though they were claiming to be Abraham's children or descendants, his seed, they probably weren't beholding him. Because they weren't doing what Jesus had said they, would, they should do. Okay, They weren't doing what Abraham would do. And then I like this. In verse 41, he says, you do the deeds of your father. So now he's just said, you haven't, you don't do what Abraham did, even though you're claiming he's your father. And then he moves on and he says, but you do the deeds of your father. And then if you look in verse 44, he says, you are of your father the devil. And so who were they beholding? The wrong person. The wrong, the wrong person. They were backing the wrong horse. Okay. So this is the point here, is that what we behold, we become. What we behold, we become. And so we should be transforming into the image of Christ, becoming more like our Father. Amen? <clears throat> so the new birth gives you new DNA. The new, you know, it gives you a new purpose. 
What are you living for? The, the, the new birth gives, uh, is the new creation. It makes us sons of God, children of God, which means there's a father. That's what it implies. So we've got a father. So we're going to look a little bit at this in John chapter 1. <clears throat> now, and throughout this, I want you to see the verses that we look at. Um, God is revealed as Father, and uh, when it speaks about God, or it speaks about the Father, or whatever, it, it shows us such a closeness. It shows us, it's all, it, it might not say it very uh, explicitly, but look at the verses that we're, we're going to look at, and it shows us a closeness with God. It shows us a oneness with God. It shows us a love. Okay, so look at the Father's heart as we dig into some of these verses. Okay, um, John chapter 1, verse 12 to 13, it says, But as many as received Him, to them gave He power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on His name, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. So the moment we believe, we become. We're not becoming children of God. This shows us we are children of God the moment we believe. We've become children of God. Okay? Ladies, you're in, uh, uh, included in sons. Okay? I'm, I'll explain that in, in a moment. But it doesn't, you know, in modern translations would say sons and daughters because they don't understand what sons are. Okay? Son, let me say firstly, implies father. It's, throughout the, the New Testament, we see this idea of family, of spiritual family. Okay? But sons doesn't mean male child. It's got nothing to do with the maternity ward. Okay? Sometimes when you read the Bible, you've got to think a little bit. Sometimes we've also got to study a little bit. And if you were to study it out, you'd see that there are some words that are used in the Bible that we use differently today. Okay, all that had a different meaning, which doesn't have to do. I was, I was, um, this popped up the other day. I don't know where it popped up, but there's a saying, um, blood is thicker than water, which I've heard many times referred to like, you know, keep your family close and all of this type of stuff. That's what that saying has become over time. But the, the original saying is the blood of the covenant is thicker than the water of the womb. That's the original. And obviously the way we quote it is the way we mean it. Because the intention of the author or the speaker defines the, the, the message. Okay? So that shows us even when we study the word, we've got to go to context. Because what Paul said, what Jesus said, doesn't just mean what it means to me. It means what it means to Paul. So you can't just read the Bible and go, oh, wow, you know, what do I get out of this? This is what I get out of this. <laughs> and then you kind of sound like you've been smoking something. You know, you, you, you get creative with the Bible. I, I, unfortunately, uh, I like being creative, but there's no space for creativity with the Bible. Ever. You can't be creative with interpretation. There's one interpretation and that's it. You either got it or you don't got it. <laughs> Okay, And there might be a general application which we can apply when we study the Word, but there's never space for creativity. Okay, Creativity is maybe how we deliver the message, how we package things, but not in that. So Son of God talks about the incarnate, God in the flesh. It's talking about God in union with man to carry out the purpose of God. That's... This, this, I'm not going to get into this because if I do, I won't come back. But this helps us understand the Trinity. Okay? So son is not gender specific. As believers, we're all sons of God. In that we've all become dwelling places of God. We've been united with God. So now we're one with Him and we carry His purpose on the earth. For God so loved the world that He sent His one and only Son... So that, the Son, as we know, is God in the flesh, right? So it's the Father manifested in the flesh, so that there could be many sons. God manifested in the flesh, so that we could carry His purpose on the earth. So, moving along. The word Father is translated from the Greek word Abba, which implies source. So think about God as your source. 
Where, where everything comes from. This is the essence of Christianity. God is our source. He's our Father. We trust and rely on Him. Amen? We, I mean, that's a, a really great part of Christianity, isn't it? We don't have to trust and rely on ourselves. We can trust and rely on Him. But here's, a, 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 here's something that a lot of people don't know. Is that God's not everybody's father. <laughs> Even Jesus said that you're of your father the devil. So that wasn't implying that God is your father. And then if that, in that verse we looked at in uh, 1 John, it says that those that believe become sons. So that shows us that those that don't believe don't become. You know, this idea that everyone is a child of God is wrong. We're all created by God, we're all loved by God, but for God so loved the world that He sent His one and only Son. So at that point, there was only one Son. And then at that point, then Jesus uh, 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 did what He did, redemption, so that we could all become sons of God. So, the sonship of the believer is an important uh, topic. And uh, it shows us that we're in, we, we have a union with God, a closeness with God that ha- can have a fruitfulness. <laughs> so, Romans chapter 8, verse 14 and 6 to 16, as, as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you have received the, adopt- the spirit of adoption whereby we cry, Abba, Father, the Spirit itself bearing witness with our spirits that we are children of God. Now the word fear there implies timidity. Okay? And adoption is being placed into the position of a son. So this is the Father's heart towards us. We've been placed into the, the, the position of a son. We've been adopted and now there's no more fear. We never have to be intimidated again. Okay? So in our spirits, we know the Father. And in the rest of our lives, we can know the Father. We can experience the goodness of God. The Father heart of God. And this is uh, the, 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 the other part that we'll see as we get into this. Is that it, because God's your Father, I, uh, He's my Father. And because we're, I'm one with God, you're one with God, we're one with each other. So when, when we talk about Father God, we mustn't just think about me in my bedroom alone and I've got a, an amazing Father. We must think about how now we're also called into community. We must also think about how it's like we're one together and there's a much deeper experience to be had within fellowship. Okay? So let's just look a bit about, about um, what it means to be a son of God for a moment. Romans chapter 8 verse 19 says, For the earnest expectation of the creature waiteth for the manifestation of the sons of God. Not for the, the male born uh, children of God, but those who, the incarnate of God uh, uh, who carry his purpose. Okay? So if you look at that verse, he's waiting for us to show up and start living like it. That's what the world is waiting for. Waiting for us to show up and start living like children of God. What does that mean? If we, if we are uh, in, in Rondebosch, our car guard, I, was taught, I always have a, a good chat to him uh, 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 before the service and after the service and all that. And sometimes he, uh, uh, he comes up with some very clever things. Um, uh, one of them was about vegans once, uh, but we won't go there. Just in case uh, you, you don't love me anymore, but uh, <laughs> or you don't love him. But the the point is, is what did he say? He said he he stopped me and he said, "I just heard this saying: the apple doesn't fall far from the tree." What does that mean? He'd never heard that before, and he's very educated. He knows English and all of this type of stuff. Um, and I said, I I, I I I just took some time to explain. It's it's kind of like, you know, that, that means that like father, like son to a degree. The apple doesn't fall far from the tree. And I said, I don't, I don't know if it can only be used for father and child, but it kind of means that uh, maybe even family-wise, I would apply it there that, you know, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree, but it can't be used in close association like friendships, I would say. 
It's more like relationships within family. You know, you, you're going to be like where you've come from. And he was like, okay, that's, that's interesting. He knows a lot of English, but he's never heard that before. And we spoke about it. <clears throat> and that's kind of what sonship in the kingdom is talking about too. That's what it should be like for us. There should be a, a, a fruitfulness that the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. We're just like our father. Amen? <clears throat> so, because we have this oneness with God, everything that He is has become what we are. And everything, he, he's, it's kind of like He's absorbed all of us, and we've absorbed all of Him. We've become one. So we have His ability. Amen? You have the ability of God the Father, because He dwells in you. <clears throat> Look at John 14 verse 12. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that fasts and prays, you know, it doesn't say that. What does it say? You know, it's, he, we'll do the same works as he does in greater works, but it's, it's not according to fasting and praying. It's not according to holiness, etc., etc. It's according to believe. So if we believe on him, we can do the same works and greater works. And I mean, I've said this many times to Grace Life Stellenbosch. And I'll ask, what are the, great, you know, what have we done, what are the same works that Jesus did? We'll start there. And there's you, I'm not going to do it this morning, but there's always someone who says, turn water into wine in Stellenbosch. <laughs> always. Without, uh, without a doubt. Um, and yes, he did that. You know, and then it's like, heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out. We get, it, we get there. But let's look at the context there for a moment, from verse 6. Jesus says unto, them, unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father... But by me, if ye had known me, ye should have known my Father also. And from henceforth you know him, and have seen him. And Philip said unto him, Lord, show us the Father, and it is sufficient for us. Like he wasn't listening. <laughs> Jesus says unto him, Have I been with you so long time, that you, uh, with you, uh, and yet hast thou not known me, Philip? He that has seen me has seen the Father. And how sayest thou, then show us the Father? Believest thou not that I am in the Father, and the Father in me? He's talking about this union, this, the, this oneness. Okay? The words that I speak unto you, I, I speak not of myself, but the Father that dwelleth in me, he doeth the works. I like that, because it's showing us that Jesus, if you've, if you've seen Jesus, you've seen the Father, in terms of, you want to know what God is like, just look at Jesus. And in terms of what I explained of uh, the Trinity, the word Trinity is not in the Bible, by the way, but we use it for reference sake because we understand what we're talking about. But what, what I said about the Father being manifested in the flesh as Christ uh, uh, makes sense here in that if we want to know God, we need to see Jesus. We can only know God by seeing Jesus, which means the Jews never really knew God. They knew maybe a part of Him, but you can't know God properly without Jesus. Okay, that's what this is saying. Um, verse 11. Believe me, and, and it also shows us that whatever Jesus did would be what God would do. Whatever Jesus didn't do would be what God wouldn't do. For example, putting sickness on people. We never see Jesus doing that. So we need to stop saying, God put the sickness on me. Or using it in reference to other people. You know, all tragedies. God, Jesus never caused a tragedy. He stopped tragedies. He put, spoke peace into tragedies. You know, with storms and things like that. And so, even with the floods and things, you know, I, I, I'll tell you something I, I never did, which I wanted to do this week. I wanted to post on Facebook. <laughs> but I don't do that much anymore. I might post a few pictures here and there, and that's it. I, I, I behave. And... Um, yeah, I wanted to post basically that it's amazing with all this rain that we're having that, you know, South Africa must be like sin-free by now. <laughs> because years back, you'll recall, you know, we were doing a lot of repenting for the drought um, and a lot of praying <laughs> and a lot of uh, all sorts of things. And, you know, um, it was, I remember it was on uh, our birthday week in the ha Holsgrove household and I posted on Facebook a couple thoughts just before the boys' birthday party and it was all stuff like how ridiculous it is that we're 
we're, we're having to repent because of this drought. And I, I, you might like this kind of stuff, and we love you. You can ask questions. We're happy to answer them. But I just kind of posted about uh, exposing it a bit, and I mean, I made lots of friends, not really. And um, it was really bad. And uh, while I was at the boys' birthday party, I had some friends, you know, uh, other ministers and people from around, uh, around the world, actually, like, standing up for me. <laughs> it was interesting to see what was going on. But the point is, is that the next year, when there was still the drought, the next year, when there was still the drought, there was another call for prayer, and uh, then people were starting to say what I was saying. And I was like, but why don't you apologize to me now? <laughs> you know? And now eventually, I think it's the wettest it's been in how long? 15 years. You know, it, we've had so much rain, and I was like, I want to post something about this. <laughs> and I just decided, you know what, I don't have time or energy to go and engage with people on social media. It's not ministry, really. So I'm not going to do that. I'll engage with people in person, rather. And so I refrained from that. And then when it started to become flooding, I was like, I'm so glad that I didn't say anything because people would have been saying, but see, it's just in the reverse now. <laughs> so it's like God has extremes. He's going to use dryness and then he's going to use, you know, water to flood and, you know, it's crazy. God doesn't do that. Okay? He's not part of that. Um, it's amazing, just in case you think you, you do believe that kind of stuff. It's amazing how we can get warnings about the wrath of God from science. That's how clever man is. We've developed science to the place where we can know it before a tsunami comes, before God's wrath comes on a, on a nation. <laughs> and then we can send helicopters in which defy the wrath of God and pick up people from those places and evacuate them so that God's wrath is short-lived. Can you see how silly that, 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 anyway, that thinking is? Verse 11. Believe that I am in the Father and the Father in me, or else believe me for my very word's sake. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me, the works I, that I do, he'll do, and greater works than these shall he do, because I go to my Father. And whatsoever he shall ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You know, so putting all of this together, what I see is he's saying, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And he's talking about how one... Father, Jesus, Ad and Spirit, how one they are. They're not separate, they're one. But then it's also talking about how <clears throat> we can do the same works that He did. But now instead of focusing on healing the sick and raising the dead, focus in on, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Focus in on that. He, that's something He did. So we can do the same thing, and we should be able to say to people, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. I mean, that's kind of where maturity gets to, should get to as a believer. Where we're not necessarily perfect, but we're able to tell people, hey, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. You know, that, Paul, Paul wasn't perfect, and he said, uh, follow me as, as, as I follow Christ. That's the same thing, really. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So, in that moment we believed, we become one with God. Amen? Amen. John, what's it, 1 Corinthians 6.17. He that is joined unto the Lord is one spirit with Him. But now look at this. John 17, verse 11. And now, now Jesus is praying in the Garden of Gethsemane, I think it is. And now, I am no more in the world, but these are in the world. And I come to thee, Holy Father, keep through thine own name those whom thou hast given me, that they may be one as we are. What I, what I find interesting with this one is how we tend to automatically interpret this as unity between church, unity between believers, unity between denominations, unity between whatever. It's not talking about that. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Okay? And now he's saying, we are one. Now look at the context. Let's go from verse 20. Or further down of it. He says, Neither pray I for these alone, but for them, which, uh, them also which shall believe on me 
through their word. So he's talking about how they'll take the gospel and people will believe the gospel. And now he's praying for the people who will believe the gospel. That includes us. Okay, and then he says, verse 21, that they, may, uh, that they all may be one. As thou, Father, art in me and I in thee, that they also may be one in us. Amen. He's not praying about unity in Christianity. He's talking about the unity that we have with Him, the oneness. And yes, that should reflect into unity amongst the, the believers. But that's not the heart of, this is not Jesus' prayer that so many people talk about and say, you know, this is what we still need to help fulfill. Imagine trying to help fulfill Jesus' prayer. (laughs) It's like his prayer is not strong enough. His faith or something. That's not a good prayer to pray anyway. I mean, imagine what needs to change in, in, in free will, the hearts of people, in order to accomplish unity amongst churches. It's difficult. It's difficult to have unity even just in, in grace life sometimes. <laughs> you know, you, 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 it, it, we, we maintain it well, but I'm just saying, sometimes you, know, you need to work on unity. Okay? But this is what he's praying for. Verse 23. I in them, and you in me, and that they may be per, uh, made perfect in one, that the world may know that thou hast sent me, and hast loved me as thou hast loved me. So, the way the world would know that Jesus was sent by God or that Jesus is God is by seeing our oneness with God. Not our oneness just with each other. You know, the Muslims also do a pretty good job at being one. So, so we've, got, we've got to have a bit more than just a, a, a unity of fellowship. We've got to have a unity with God, that we are enjoying this oneness with Him, that it starts to show. That there's a fruitfulness that starts to occur. Okay? I know some of you uh, have gone here with uh, Peter. But let's go here together. 1 Corinthians 3.16 Know ye not... not, We're building towards what I'm talking about. Know ye not that ye are the temple of God... That the Spirit of God dwells in you. God lives in us. Amen? Do you believe that? Great. We are God's address. The Spirit of God lives in us. But you probably believe that the way, not the way that it's written, but the way that you believe that. You said amen according to the way you believe that. Not the way that that's written. We'll get back to that, okay? So just remember that. So when someone believes the gospel... They're born of God, right? They're born again. They're born of God. They're born into a family which implies there's a father. Okay? They become a member of God's household, the, the scriptures say. The Bible says. So what is that saying? It's talking about family. It's talking about community. It's not just an individual. Go read. I challenge you. Read through the book of Acts. You'll never see individualistic Christianity. you always see community. You, you never see this little believer there by themselves and this one doing things, this thing by themselves. They, they might be scattered at times, but there's a unity together. And Paul writes to, to this church and says, I'm coming to take the collection for that church. And there's a unity and they're working togetherness. There, there's, a, there's a love between them. There's a, a, a togetherness, but you never find someone who's just sitting in their apartment by themselves watching whatever Christian television and listening to the latest podcast and uh, praying in the Spirit and then going to the shop and trying to heal someone and then going home. We don't see that kind of Christianity anywhere in the Bible. But we do see the believers coming together because they're part of each other and then they're going out and reflecting the Father. And then they're coming together. But there's a togetherness which is important. John chapter 14 verse 1. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. So, your sowing finances into the kingdom on earth determines the size of your mansion in heaven. (laughs) 
Okay? I'm glad no one said Amen. Yeah, according to our understanding of words, it's impossible to have mansions in a house. <laughs> if you just understand language. Okay, so that's... We've got to root out a lot of our pictures of one day when I die, I hope my mansion's close to yours, or I hope it's far from... Yeah, that's not what it's talking about. It's not talking about that, evidently. Okay, Jesus wasn't referring to physical buildings as many mansions in my father's house. So to understand this, we need to, 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 to kind of dig a bit. But in verse 2, he uses the word in. You believe in God, verse 1, but then he says, in my father's house are many mansions. So in, within. <coughs> okay? John 14, verse 10, a few lines down. Believest thou not that I am in the Father, and that the Father is in me? Talking about a unity. The words which I speak unto you, I speak not of myself, but the Father that dwells in me. He does the works. So, this is talking about the reality of Christianity, really. The reality of the oneness of God and the reality of our oneness with Him. Okay? His union with the Father. In verse 10, he says, I and the Father and the Father and me. So this is talking about union with the Father. Then in verse 20, I and the Father and ye in me and I in you. It's talking about our union with the Father in Him. Can you see just there's a whole lot of oneness. And yet so many Christians see themselves as separate from God, which is not Christianity. And then they see themselves as separate from the church. Separate from the believers. Okay, so you know, w- w- Hebrews chapter 1 verse 3 shows us, and we should know this verse by now, how uh, uh, the, Jesus is a perfect uh, um, representation of the Father. Okay, if you go look up that, it says exact or express image. The word express image, uh, 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 I looked it up again, just because uh, I usually define it in a certain way, and I looked and I saw a lot more, and it says, you know, it's the exact expression. A marked likeness, a precise reproduction in every respect. So in other words, it's, he's not just a copy of God, he is God. That's what this is trying to convey. It's trying to say that he's the impression of God. That's what Hebrews chapter 1 verse 3 is saying. Jesus is the impression of God in a sense that, how did I put it here? He's the unseen made seen. Okay, so if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. The statement then shows us that there's no greater revelation of the Father than in Christ. Okay, John chapter 14 verse 2. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you I go to prepare a place for you. So now Jesus is speaking of his Father's house. The word house is translated uh, from a Greek word which means dwelling place. Okay? Dwelling place. It's not used for a physical building. It's talking more about household. In other passages of Scripture where this is used, it refers to household, like in Galatians 6.10. It says, especially unto them who are the household of faith. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 9, it speaks about, now... Uh, Therefore you are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God. Dwelling place. Okay? Ephesians 3.14 For this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family. So it's talking about family when it's talking about dwelling place. Okay? The word house in John 14 is referring to a family. A people who have the same identity because they have the same father. John 14 verse 2 again. In my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you I go to prepare a place for you. So the word mansion from the Greek implies a a place where one stays. A place where one stays. This is kind of talking about... um, um, it, it's, it's like the, the verse in John 14, 23, which says, If a man loves me, he will keep my words, and my Father will love him, 
and we will come unto Him and make our abode with Him. It's, it's kind of talking about the same thing. Okay? So, John 14 verse 2 can be better understood as, In my Father's family, in my Father's household, there are many dwelling places. In my Father's household, there are many dwelling places. Okay? So, what, if we put this together, you are a mansion, we are the household. You are the mansion, we are the household. So, another a good thing to point out here is he, goes, he says, I go to prepare a place for you. I go to make ready a place for you. So he did not say, where I will be, there you will be. He didn't say, I go to prepare a place for me. He said, I go to prepare a place for you. That where I am, you will also be. You know what he's saying? He's saying that he was going to go and prepare us. This is just before death, burial, resurrection. He's going to prepare us to become the dwelling place of God. That's what he's saying. He's going to prepare a place for us to become the mansions. What, as the mansions, we contain the Spirit of God. He says the same thing in um, John chapter 7, 39, where they were at the feast, and uh, uh, he cries out and he says, if anyone's thirsty, let him come and drink, and you'll have streams of living water flowing from your belly. And then it says in verse 39, this he spake of the Spirit, which was not yet given, because he was not yet glorified. And so, Nobody was a dwelling place yet, except for Jesus. But he, we, you're after His um, uh, redemptive plan, we become the dwelling place. Okay? John chapter 14, verse 2 again. My Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. One house, many mansions. Now, there's many ways we can look at this and see that he's not talking about physical buildings. He's talking about something that he built, okay, uh, or, or he perfected, and that's us. But let's go back down to a verse that I, I mentioned earlier, 1 Corinthians 3.16. Know ye not that you are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? So, <clears throat> when we read this verse... We, 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 we often read it and quote it individualistically, but it's talking to us. Later on, um, I can't remember the reference, but I think in chapter 6 it speaks about the individual believer, the mansion. But here it's speaking about the house. It's saying that together God lives among us. God lives in us. Yes, He lives in you, and when you're by yourself, you're not without God. But this is focusing on now how God dwells within our fellowship. Okay? He's writing to the church, not just an individual. And this shows us how we, we should have a, a greater value for the community. <clears throat> and for what we're called to together. Okay? Look at Ephesians chapter five, uh, 2 verse 5. Even when we were dead in sins, <clears throat> had He quickened us, do you have that one? Ephesians 2.5. I want you to see this word there. Even when we were dead in sins, has He quickened us together. Together with Christ. Not alone, but together. Okay? By grace you are saved, and hath raised us up together, and made us sit together in heavenly places. In Christ Jesus. So now it shows us we're seated together as sons. Because we're of one family. Together. Okay? And then there's a couple of verses which often talk about the household of faith and all of this. But now you get the idea. I am the dwelling place of God and together we're the dwelling place of God. Okay? But now let's look at this. <clears throat> Communion or intimacy is what produces life. So, if we're spending time with the Father, and focused on the Father as individuals, and then as a community, it's going to start to reflect the Father. Okay? John chapter 3, verse 6. 
from the passion. For the natural realm only gives birth to things that are natural, but the spiritual realm birth to the supernatural. Now, this is speaking about new life, but it applies in many different respects. Okay? Natural gives birth to natural. Spiritual gives birth to spiritual. And I really just feel like this is even just a word of knowledge for someone, or a word of wisdom, rather, for a situation. You're trying and you're trying and you're trying and it's not working, and it's because you're approaching it from the wrong side. You're approaching it from the natural and you're not approaching it from the supernatural. And as believers, we've got a supernatural side that we should be tapping into in terms of praying in the Spirit. And as we pray in the Spirit and we can speak with authority, we can see results. We can hear from God and have a word and get results better than if we're just doing things in the natural. Okay? Uh, Romans chapter 8, verse 5 and 6. For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, to be spiritually minded is life and peace. In the Passion it says, those who are motivated by the flesh only pursue what benefits themselves. But those who live by the impulses of the Holy Spirit are motivated to pursue spiritual realities. For the sense and reason of the flesh is death, but the mindset controlled by the Spirit finds life and peace. What, why I'm sharing that with you is because the more time we spend with Father, the more time we spend in our union. We are one with Him, but now we're focused in on that oneness. We're focused in on His love. We're experiencing Him alone and together. The more it's going to get supernatural results. It's going to get spiritual results. We'll become more spiritual in our lives. Rather than just living naturally, things will become more supernatural. In everything that we do. You know, a lot of church, a lot of church even, um, around the world, is just natural. I'm talking about a church service now. (laughs) It's not really supernatural. Now, if we're getting into the Word... It, it, it should be supernatural. I'm not just talking about uh, swinging from the chandeliers and you know, manifestations and stuff. Praise God for that. But what I'm looking at is I'm saying we, we need to be getting into the Word. And if we're focused in on Father, it should transform us. But a lot of, you know, that um, I might be wrong because I didn't take enough time to read that article that you sent me on the AI church. Um, but I, I, I skimmed over it quickly. And I think that the, the message was very much kind of like world events and politics and kind of like social responsibility and stuff like that. That's not church. We don't have a message like that. (laughs) That's That's not the message of the Bible. The message of the Bible is salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus, and what that does for us. That's the message. And so a lot of church, because it's not focused in on Father... In, uh, 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 in the right way, through Jesus, it's not getting the right results. Okay? Now, let's look at this, the, the, the relationship that we have with God. Look at the, the, the fruitfulness that, the, um, that can come from this. 1 John 1, <clears throat> verse 1 to 3. We proclaim to you the one who existed from the beginning, whom we have heard and seen. It's talking about an experience. We saw Him with our own eyes and touched Him with our own hands. He is the Word of life. Now what I like there is it's saying He existed from the beginning. And if you go and do a word study, it's talking about Genesis. So this is rooting it all the way back to Genesis now. This one who is, the li- is life itself was revealed to us and we have seen Him. And now we testify and proclaim to you that He is the one who is eternal life. He was with the Father and then was revealed to us. We proclaim to you that, our, uh, that we ourselves have actually seen and heard so that you may have fellowship. That fe- word fellowship is koinonia, partnership, common identity. It's talking about communion with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. You know, in this partnership we have with God, this fellowship we have with the Father, He is the sole contributor. He, you know, all, we, we don't give anything of ourselves to enter into this union with Him. 
We just believe. He gives everything of Himself, self-sacrificial love, unconditional love. He gives everything of Himself to us, and we just receive. No one can get born again by giving their life to Jesus. No one can get born again by giving their life to Jesus. I know what we mean, and we mean well, and it's okay, and God doesn't throw lightning at us for it. But the truth is, is that you, you receive His life because He gave His life for us. Amen. And then as believers, we have the privilege of giving our lives for Him. Amen. But you're already saved. <laughs> okay? And uns- what, what must God do with an unsaved person's life? They've got to receive His life so that He can do something with their life. Amen. Okay? So, yeah, we share His life, we share His power, we share His enabling because we're one with Him. This is the communion that we have with Him. Paul likens it to a marriage. What's His has become mine. Okay? And what's mine has become His. 1 John 5, 11 to 12. And this is what God has testified. He has given us eternal life and this life is in His Son. Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. This was received at salvation. 1 John 5 verse 1. Whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is the born of God. Born of God is talking about now we're born again. We've got, we're born into this fellowship with Him. We're born into this, this relationship with Him. This relationship with each other as well. And it's by faith. Okay? So now, let's get back to this thought. We've got this amazing God who's given so much for us, and He's good, and He's love, and now we need to behold Him so that we can become like Him. So now, let's look at this behold to become. 2 Corinthians 3.18 from the King James says, But we all, with open face, beholding as in a glass, a mirror, the glory of the Lord, are changed into the same image from glory to glory even as by the Spirit of the Lord. So this is where we get the idea of behold to become. And it's talking about how when we're looking into, uh, as in a glass, the glory of the Lord. Okay? Now, then we're changed or transformed. Okay, what are we looking at when we're looking at the glory of the Lord? It says, as in a mirror. As in a glass, as in a mirror. So what is that implying? What do you see when you look in a mirror? I usually see myself. Okay? When I look in a mirror, I usually see myself. So if I'm looking in a mirror and I'm seeing the glory of God, that must mean that there's the glory of the Lord in me. So I'm never going to bring glory to God, and I'm never going to live a glorious life or a life of glory or whatever without first looking in His Word, the mirror, to see myself. What the gospel has made me. What has it made me? One with Him. And now I've got His glory in me and it wants to come out of me. Look at it in the Passion. It says, we can all draw close to Him with the veil removed from our faces. So now it's not, it's saying, one of the things that implies is we're not looking at the law. We're not looking at what we have to do. We're looking at who we've become. We're looking in faith. Okay? And with no veil... We all become like mirrors who brightly reflect the glory of the Lord Jesus. This is also showing us that when we're interacting with each other, and you're looking at me, in our relationships we should be bringing glory out of each other. Okay, We are being transfigured. And the, the Passion uses that word to bring it back to the, the Mount of Transfiguration, to draw your attention there. Okay? Into His very image, as we move from one brighter level of glory to another. And this, is, this glorious transfiguration comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. So, if we've seen Jesus, we've seen the Father, therefore if we behold Jesus, we're beholding the Father, which means we start to reflect the Father. Okay, John 14 verse 9, he says it there, you know, don't you know that if you've seen me, you've seen the Father? Have I been with you so long? Okay, but the point is, there's a lot of people say they're focusing on God when they're not. Because you can't focus in on God just by thinking about Him. You have to focus in on God by focusing in on Jesus. 
and who and the nature of God that's revealed in Christ, which is God is love. One John four. God is love. God is love. One Corinthians thirteen shows us God is. Oh, it shows us love is patient. It's describing God. Love is patient. Love is kind. The word love there in 1 Corinthians 13 is agape, which is self-sacrificial love. So self-sacrificial love is patient. We look, kind of look at that, and uh, I read it at weddings. We, 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 it's the, the wedding poem or whatever you want to say, and it's something that we kind of put on each other. This is how we should act in relationship with each other. Amen. But that's a heavy, 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 heavy standard. And it's a big burden to bear. No one can be like that without God. So what we need to do is like when Jesus was speaking to the, um, the lawyer, the experts in the law. What is the greatest commandment? He says, love the Lord your God with everything and love your neighbor as yourself. And so he's saying, he's saying, you know, basically in the natural first, you can't do this. But why do we love him? Because He first loved us. So you can't love God with everything without first knowing His love. So if you're wanting to reflect the Father, you have to start off by looking at His love for you. And then as you focus in on His love for you, which is patient, kind. Love is patient, love is kind, doesn't envy, doesn't boast. I like one of the translations that says, it keep, or many of them say, it keeps no records of wrong. That's, that's God towards you. God keeps no records of wrongs. He's not holding your sin against you. As we focus in on that, we become that. Now, I'm not going to hold your sin against you. I'm going to not keep records of your wrong. Why? Because I've beholded it, so now I've become it. So I'm focused in on that. You know how many Christians turn or burn signs? If you do that here, we love you. <laughs> Welcome. <laughs> if you've got a banner like that, you know, repent. You know, this and that. The next thing, all these you sinners, you're going to hell. And I, I went to a, a um, I saw one guy um, in Cape Town had one that said, "Turn or burn or whatever." If this was you, uh, you know, I don't know. Maybe the guy will come to church one day. It said that Benny Hinn's going to hell. It said all these kind of different names of preachers as well. It's like he's not beholding Jesus. He's not beholding the Father. He's not beholding love. Because if we're beholding love, yes, we preach. As I think it's Colossians says, warning every man. We preach with an urgency. But we preach with love. To convince. To draw in. The goodness of God leads men to repentance. Okay? So a lot of people are zealous for God, but they're misrepresenting Him completely because they don't know Him. They're not spending time with Him. Okay? If you spend time with someone, you start to rub off on each other. Is that right? Have you experienced that in marriage? <laughs> you know, Martin's humor has improved drastically in, in our marriage. <laughs> well, now she's got one. <laughs> no, I'm joking. You have to have a sense of humor to marry me, eh? So you, 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 you kind of become like each other. You know, good company corrupts bad character as well. <laughs> Depends who the influencer is. Okay? But look at it. Uh, uh, Ephesians chapter 5, my last verse. Ephesians 5 verse 1 to 2 from the message. Watch what God does and then you do it. Like children who learn proper behavior from their parents. I'm going to pause them. It says, let me say, mostly what God does is love you. Okay, so now watch what God does. He mostly loves you. Okay? And then you do it. Okay? <laughs> In our discipleship, um, we should look at how God disciples us, and then we disciple other people the way God would disciple us. Okay? I started with that one because it's a little bit gentler. <laughs> In our fathering, in our parenting, we should look at how God parents us and fathers us. And then we should parent likewise. 
let shake that up in your head and let that apply to different parent theologies or doctrines or whatever you have in your head, uh, uh, methodologies, and, and, and see what, what that counters. It's amazing how much that counters uh, 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 a lot of Christian books even. Mostly what God does is love you. Keep company with Him and learn a life of love. So let Him rub off on you. Observe how Christ loved us. His love was not cautious, but extravagant. He didn't love in order to get something from us, but to give everything of Himself to us. Love like that. I love that. His love was not cautious. He didn't hold back and give a little and give a little. You know, He was extravagant in His love. He was extravagant in His love. He gave everything of Himself to us. Not withholding anything. Now we'll catch his heart if we hang out with him. If we start to see this kind of God, we're going to start to become like this. You know, we'll become more like him. We'll catch his heart. You know, you cannot catch the heart of the Father without starting to live a life of mission, a life of purpose. A life of wanting to be a blessing to other people. <clears throat> so then, when we go out there, it's effortless to reflect the Father. It's effortless to love people. It's effortless to lay hands on the sick and see them recover when you know that that's what God would want to do. So, yeah, the, 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 the John 20 verse 21, it's not up there, but John 20 verse 21 is powerful in terms of what we're talking about. Jesus says that the Father has sent me, so send are you. Think about oneness. Like, our mission is to live like Jesus and be Jesus now because He's living in us. And so, as the Father has sent Him, so He sends us, now we go into all the world. And wherever we go, as we go, we can reflect the Father because we've spent time with Him. We know Him. Have you ever had someone misrepresent you? <laughs> you know, they don't know you so well. Let's not talk about the malicious ones. Like someone who doesn't really know you, and then they go and try and reflect your, they go and represent you. You know? It, it doesn't work so well. But if you spend time with someone, like, I, I'm, I can't think of a good example right now, but often I, 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 I've um, said to someone to lead a meeting or something that I couldn't be at, and I'm like, just do what I would do. How do they know what to do? Because they've been there. We've spent time together. They know how I would think about things. So I'm just like, you know, just do what I would do in that meeting. <laughs> you know, that's kind of the same thing. As, you know, what you've seen, take it and go for it. But if you haven't seen anything, you can't. So what are you seeing in God when you spend time with Him? What are you experiencing with the Father as you spend time with Him? What are you uh, uh, beholding? Because what you're beholding is what you're becoming. You can ask the person sitting next to you or someone who is at home, kind of like, what's the fruit in my life? And then if you look at that, maybe don't do that, it might depress you. But if you look at that, that shows what you've been beholding. You know, if you've got negative fruits in your life at the moment, it's because you've been beholding the wrong thing. So what are you beholding? Because that's what you're becoming. And we've got the roots of Christ in us. And so the fruit should be love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. We should just be these fruit trees out there. <laughs> just bearing fruit wherever we go that people can come and eat the fruit of our lives because it looks inviting. Amen? Amen? So we should all be reflecting the Father because we're focused in on Him. We're beholding Him. So Father, I want to thank You that... You are a Father, that you're our Father, that we're one with you, Father. You're not a distant Father. You're not an unloving Father. You've loved us extravagantly and you continue to. You've given everything of yourself to us. We thank you for that, Father. Thank you, Father. Just stand, stand with me if you can stand. If you want to stay seated, you can. But just stand with me. Romans chapter 5 verse uh, 5 says that the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts. Or you could interpret that as gushes forth in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. And so I just feel, feel like the, the Holy Spirit just wants to, to just 
touch you with Father's love right now. Just remind you in your heart of how much He loves you. That there's no, no separation, there's no qualification that's necessary for you to experience His love. He loves you. And, and I just feel like as, we, as, as I'm even saying that, there's some who are here where you're, you're already disqualifying yourself by, by thinking about certain things. And saying, I need to sort that out, I need to pray about that, I need to, I need to, I need to. And I feel like God's just saying, keep quiet. <laughs> and just focus in on my love. Father, we just focus in on your love right now. And Holy Spirit, we welcome you just to minister to us. Just refresh us. Just as you're focusing in on love is patient. Kind. God is kind with me. He's patient with me. You know, as you focus on how patient God is with you, you're going to start to reflect that and become more patient. As you allow that to impact your heart. You just, just, just pray in the Spirit gently. And as you're focusing in on those things, just allow the Lord just to minister to you. Thank you, Father. We just welcome your presence just to minister the love of the Father to us and, and just remind us, refresh us of the height, the depth, the breadth, and the length of this amazing love. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Just keep your eyes closed for a moment. I really just feel God impressing on my heart that there's somebody here that uh, a number of years ago you were raped. And uh, God's just saying that was not Him. His love for you would never have wanted that. And He knows the pain that you're going through. And I just feel like the Father is just saying, your complete healing is only found in me. It's not in the pills, it's not in the counseling, it's not in anything else, it's in me. It's not even injustice. I feel like God's just saying you need to come to Him and just allow Him. And you have been coming, but you've been coming and you've still been beholding the problem. And God's saying, stop beholding the problem and start beholding me. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father, that your love, because of your love for us, you know every single need in this room, even for those who are listening. You, you know every single need, and in your love you've, you've provided for it. You, you, you've made provision for it. You've provided us with joy and peace. You've provided with us, for us power to heal. You've provided for us wisdom. Because Christ has become our wisdom. And right now I just thank you that you, you just meet every need that's in this place. Supernaturally. That in our hearts you, you just show us what we, what we need to do. Show us uh, uh, the answer. You know, whether it's a release of healing, we just speak healing in the name of Jesus. We just thank you, Father, right now for manifestations of your love and of your goodness. In Jesus' name. I just feel like there's somewhat you got, like you're seeing little floaters at the moment with your eyesight. You're seeing like little dots floating around in your eyes. It just recently started that. You just put your hand up where you are. Here we go. Father, we just pray for, for Codler right now. In the name of Jesus, we just speak life to manifest in his body, in his eyes. In Jesus' name, be healed. Be whole right now. Life flow, power flow in Jesus' name. Healing now in Jesus' name. Whatever the problem is, we thank you, Father, that you just restore it. We just speak restoration there. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. Also just feel like there's a number of people uh, in business, you kind of feel like you're, you're cornered. Like there's no way out at the moment, and, and you're kind of like you have no idea what to do. 
Uh, and, you know, this isn't, we can often kind of feel like this a little bit. This is more serious than just a little bit. If that's you, just put your hand up. See one hand there. Okay, cool. Two. Father, we just pray for those that are responding right now to that word that feel cornered and like there's no way out or they don't know what the way out is. And I just speak peace to their hearts right now in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father, that as they seek you, you've got wisdom for them that's going to unlock doors and open doors and cause fruitfulness and favor in the name of Jesus. I just feel like the Lord's just saying in that situation, just, just uh, uh, turn around. Like, because there, there, there's more to the situation than what you realize. See, see bigger than what you're looking at right now. There's more to the situation and He's got the answer for you. In the name of Jesus, Father, we just thank You for Your goodness. Thank You for Your love. Thank You, Father. Thank you, Father. And if you're here, you, you've never received Christ. You've never made a decision to receive Jesus because for whatever reason, you've maybe grown up a cultural Christian, but you've never made that decision to believe for yourself. Um, then we want to pray with you and give you that opportunity. If there's anybody here, we just want to pray with you. So I want to ask you to come to the front. Just raise your hand and uh, we'll continue on. Anyone going once? Going twice? No, great. Then, Father, I just thank you right now that this week, as we behold you, we will experience your glory. And we will take that goodness and that glory wherever we go, into the marketplace, into university, into school, wherever we go, Father, into our communities. We thank you that we carry your glory, we carry your spirit. And wherever we go, people will experience the goodness of the Father. In Jesus' name. You can find more of our free teachings on our website, www.gracelife.ca. And if you're ever in the Stellenbosch area, we invite you to join us for one of our gatherings. Our aim is to help you discover Jesus, find family, and experience life. To contact us, or to find out where and when we meet, visit our website, www.gracelife.ca.